What is Montrospective? It's what we say to ourselves and our attitude towards it. We repeat mantras over and over again to ourselves. If we're doing it right, they're positive, not negative. What we say affects our attitude and our point of view. We all have dreams and goals, but how many of us know where to start to make them happen? I am fascinated by everyday people who are doing extraordinary things, and I wanted to find out why and how they were able to be successful. I spent 16 years in radio, not as a DJ, but as a promotions director. I never had an interest in being front and center or putting myself out there as a personality. Fast forward to today, I have something to say and messages from incredible people to share. Simply put, I am interested. I want to know what propels everyday people to follow their dreams in the hopes that it will inspire you to do the same. We have one life to live. Let's listen, learn, and share our journey with the world. This is Montrospective. Montrospective would like to thank our sponsor. If you're looking for a one-stop shop that offers yoga, meditation, Reiki, readings, and various other classes along with being a metaphysical store, check out Mantra in Blue Springs, Missouri off 7 Highway. Also online at mantrakc.com. My next guest is a coach for women who decide good enough is no longer enough. As she calls it, the woo and the do takes someone with a life of anxiety and uncertainty to confidence and calm. It's all about transforming and shifting your life so you can live your dreams. She offers programs like the Executive Alchemy Academy, which is a monthly subscription community for women who are ready to level up. She also uses a process called the Human Design System, which combines several elements to understand each person's unique makeup. I'm excited to learn about what led her to coaching and how she's helping women navigate this uncertain time. Sarah Robinson, welcome to Montrospective. Thank you so much for having me, Heather. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to talk to you. You um, have recently, I mean, I guess in the last year, started your business, Mm -hmm. and you and I have a lot in common with our interests and goals and everything, so I have a feeling I'm going to learn a lot from you, but we're going to dive in with the question I ask everybody first, and I want to know, what were you like as a little girl, and what were your hopes and dreams at that time? This one's really fun to consider. Um, as a as a little girl, I was just curious. That's really it. Like I, I really just kind of did what felt good. You know, like this is of course before all of the conditioning of how it was supposed to be, right? But I, I think of myself as a little kid, and we spent we lived in the country, and we spent so much time in the woods, like catching crawdads and chasing frogs, and just being in nature and learning about that. Um, so, so honestly, the, the real me, the, the pure me was a very like, um, curious, inquisitive, I couldn't <clears throat> see the magic in things. Um, and so that's, that's where I always was. I always wanted to help things too. So I was naturally drawn to animals as a small child and, <clears throat> and things like that. But yeah, well, it was a- say this. I say this every week and I don't know why I continue to be shocked. Like I get excited when somebody starts talking about their youth because the one common denominator in everybody I've talked to is they have a connection in nature. They spent a lot of time outside as a kid. So a lot of creative people, entrepreneurs, um, you know, people that I'm speaking with have that love of just being outside where I feel like in some ways, if I were to interview a 15 year old right now, they wouldn't have that same 
you know, answer, you know, as a kid, like they didn't necessarily play outside all the time. They were on their devices or whatever. So do you feel like that had an effect on what you're doing now as a kid, you know, being outside and having some sort of energetic connection to the earth and all of those things? I think there's, there's almost like as an adult, I think the nostalgia of it is what pulls me back. But then when I'm there and, and as an adult, as I've allowed myself to do that more and kind of break away from, from society a bit more, um, it, it's become a craving again. Like I just crave being out there. And I know that even just sitting on my hammock on the ba- in the backyard is going to calm my system and allow me to be better. So I do think that it is, um, you know, that, that it did influence that. I also want to mention though, too, um, you know, our kids are on those devices all the time. And it's tough for me because we live in town. And so there's so much craziness that goes on too. And we're we're fearful. Um, But I want to encourage parents as well. Like there are so many places, especially in the KC Metro, like my kids, we go out in the woods and they're like muddy and in the creeks and like they, even though they don't have the freedom that I had with it, they still get to experience that. So I do want to want to challenge parents and or caregivers in general. Like we know we, we get a, addicted to the, those screens, but there is such a rich environment around here. It is ridiculous. It is really amazing. And I think you can find that beauty in no matter where you live, even if you are in the middle of a city or whatever, just to be outside and if you can feel the grass, if you can feel the breeze, feel the sun, just be in that moment. I think it just kind of recenters you and grounds you. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're just stuck inside your home, your apartment, whatever, um, you don't get that same, that same energy exchange. Um, tell me a little bit about your connection to spirituality. And when that began, we talked a little bit before jumping on here about you practicing Reiki and I do as well. So when did that become of interest to you in your life and what did you do to hone those skills? Sure. Um, when I was a kid, I grew up in a house that was very spiritually open. So um, I was always pretty interested in like the supernatural and, you know, tarot cards and the and all of that kind of stuff. But I didn't really have a lot of guidance. It was more like a try what you want, do what feels good, whatever, you know. And then as an adult, I got very um, type A, very rigid. And I went to school to be a therapist because I, I'm from Missouri. So you, I have to understand the, the human first, right? And then when I was pregnant with my daughter almost 10 years ago, I started feeling this very, very deep inner pull. Like it was undeniable. I just, I wanted a community that supported me energetically. And I really didn't know what that meant back then. Um, and then just over the years, little things came up, you know, I, I, one day I was driving down, down the road and I thought, Oh, I want to stop by that bookstore. I never stopped by that bookstore, but I'm like, okay, I have a little extra time. Let me stop by. And then on one of the end caps were all these books about Reiki Were all these, and I went around the corner and there were books about, um, like doctors, MDs who traveled the world and, and to learn about spiritual healing and like find the research in it. Right. So I had the mix. Um, and then I went to some local fairs and experienced it. And the first time I experienced Reiki, I was like, okay, that's it. I'm done. Like, I have to do this. There is nothing else in the world that I've ever felt like this. And I think that, and then being involved in the community, in the, you know, in kind of the woo community in Kansas City, I found a place where I could say all the weird stuff that I thought, and they encouraged it. 
and they guided me and they helped me feel like I kind of knew what was going on. And so I think that mixture of the experience of getting that, that, you know, trusting my inner pole, which was very weird for me. Um, And then the, the community really helped me. And so that started about 10 years ago, probably um, just progressing. And then, you know, at Reiki probably four years ago. And you know this, Heather, when you get that attunement, it's like all of a sudden, it's like the opening is insane, like all of a sudden. And so I just followed that. And then I I followed. And the thing I love is helping people who are making that transition because it's a scary transition. And then you start having your awakening. And that's scary because you can't talk about that with everybody, you know? So that that's something that... Um, it's yeah it's just evolved over time and and now I do all the things you know (laughs) hey we do the the I'm getting into crystals all of a sudden which is new for me I never did that before and I should switch my camera around I'm in my you know podcast studio slash office slash meditation room and I have all the crystals I've got I've got everything and it is fascinating but it's overwhelming there's so much to learn each one does something different and um, it's, it's very powerful and you've got to charge your crystals at certain times and all of that. But, um, are you somebody who can focus in on one thing and master it and learn it? Or are you somebody who's always like, cause I am, I am so stuck right now, sister. I am like studying five different things at one time and mastering none because I'm fascinated by all of it. So how do you approach that? Well, when we talk about, in a few minutes, when we talk about human design, I'm going to probably guess what type of human design you are, because there is, we are energetically all set up differently. So we approach the world differently and we're made to interact with the human network differently. So yeah, I am, I am the type that's called a manifesting generator. I am the type that energetically I am set up to learn and do. When I was a kid, I had four, four library books on my desk at school and I would read while the teacher was teaching, you know? Um, I've always had multiple projects and, and, um, and the thing is too, about this, I'm sure you probably experienced this too. You learn and learn and learn until you don't want to anymore. And then it's done. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, okay, I've got enough of this or, or like for me, I had a job and I'd be like, okay, I've got what I need out of this. And then I'd switch jobs and I'd switch Mm -hmm. jobs and switch. And which is why I love being, being my own, doing my own thing now because I'm allowed to follow my passions and not have to recreate myself at jobs over and over and over. Yes. But yeah, for sure. And that's that you're probably a manifesting generator. I would guess I'd put money on it. You probably are. <laughs> well, before we jump into the human design, cause that's going to take a minute. I am just, the minute I heard you talk about that in another podcast, I Googled it because I didn't exactly know what it meant. And then I went to one of those sites that you can enter in all your information and try to figure it out. And of course you've got to pay bazillions and bazillions of dollars to get the answers. And I'm like, I'm just going to wait and talk to Sarah. Cause Oh no, they're free. Okay. Yeah. They're free. <laughs> I'll tell you, don't worry. Before we jump into that, um, what led you to becoming a coach a year ago? What pushed you to finally make that switch? Yeah. Now in the spirit of many things going at once, um, I left the corporate world when my son, who's now six, I think he was just born. So I left and I'm like you, I can't just sit. I couldn't just be a housewife. I was never meant to be a stay at home mom. I was never white, well, not in the traditional sense. Like I wasn't satisfied enough with caring for my family, which kind of felt weird for a while, but I wasn't, I needed to be out. <clears throat> so I did a lot of things and, and whatever. And then one day I was like, you know what? I'm sick of switching. I'm sick of doing all this crap because it makes sense. And so I, I thought they say it's supposed to be easy. So what have I always done? 
what have I always done no matter where I'm at that has had the greatest impact? And then I realized that when people talk to me, like just they leave ready to take on the world with passion and excitement. And I was like, well, I can do that. Like, that's easy. All I have to do is show up and talk and I somehow say the right things. And so that, and, and then I was like, okay, so let's do that. And I had already been working in the energy stuff. I'd been doing workshops in the city. I'd been practicing my skills. I was a therapist before this. So, you know, I knew all of that stuff. Um, so, so yeah, I just decided to finally do what was easy instead of trying to push myself into something because it made sense. Well, and you picked a perfect time to do it because right now when, you know, the economy and jobs and everything are so up in the air, you know, you're doing your own thing. And that's what I'm working towards right now as well. So I, I do find you extremely, you know, motivating already. We've been talking for a whopping 10 minutes and I'm like, I already feel that from you. Like you're just a <laughs> go get them. You're like, you're like everybody's cheerleader. Um, so let's talk about what the human design system is and how you discovered it and how you use it in your coaching. Sure. Um, I just discovered human design. Um, it was just over a year ago. And so what I love about it is that it, you know, we have all of these personality things like we have on the Enneagram and the Myers-Briggs. And I always found that when I took those tests to tell me what type I was, it depended on how I was feeling. Like I could take those things 700 times and be 12 different types. It never, it never stuck for me. And so I needed a system. I, I craved a system that was like, this is your thing. I needed that stability. And then I, I threw a couple synchronicities was like, okay, let me look into this. And when I learned about through coaches and podcasts and things like that. Um, but when I heard, when I had my first human design reading, despite all the work I had done, despite all the awakenings and despite all of the coaching and all of the therapy and all of this stuff, that 90 minutes changed my life because all of a sudden all of the things that I was conditioned to think were wrong about me became my strengths. All of the things that didn't fit were now something that made me like powerful. And, I'm, and, and so I fell in love with it. And so now with my clients, um, I, have, I have the membership, I have some, some more intensive group coaching and things like that. But one of the first things we always do is look up human design because I cannot guide someone in a way, I can't do it for the same for everyone. So my clients know, like when we're in a group coaching conference, I'll be like, okay, so the projectors, here's, here's for you. Or I'll say, hey, this person, Amy is a manifesting generator. So don't listen unless don't, this, her strategies are not the same as what yours are. So this is for, for y'all, like for your time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it allows me to, I think, more accurately guide them into alignment. Because ultimately to me, it's not about just working through your shadows. It's not just about deconditioning. It's not just about that. It's about how do we get in alignment? Because once we do, it's no longer hard. Life becomes play and fun and passion and joy instead of, oh, I got to do this thing because they said I do. And I always tell my clients, like they barely know how to do their own stuff. So please don't let them tell you how to do your stuff because they don't have their crap together no matter what they look like. <laughs> You know, so. so explain what human design incorporates, because it incorporates astrology and a few mm-hmm. other things, right? 
Yeah, yeah. So it's um it's a system that combines astrology, um, the chakra system, I Ching, the Kabbalah has a place in it. So it's a lot of these um, Eastern modalities. And it, um, when, the, when the founder got the download, it synthesized. It just all kind of synthesized. And it's an incredibly detailed thing. And it always amazes me when I see, I'm like, whoa, wow. Like, how did, who, how? Obviously, it's divinely guided because there's no way a human being could have come up with this. But yeah, so it combines all of those systems. And then we apply, like I apply, not everyone does, but I apply the real world um, do's along with that so it's not just knowing it, it's what to do with it see i find that fascinating because this is something relatively new it's happened during our lifetime this gentleman that you're talking about that um got the download and kind of created this whole thing this happened in the last 20 30 years something like that i think i want to say i read it he had it in the 80s i want to say this kind of mystical experience and um kind of created this whole system. And I just find that fascinating that we're living in a time where everything is constantly evolving and we're constantly learning, you know, we're not just learning what the stars say and everything that we're combining all of these things together. And it's amazing for people that are open-minded enough to go into this. Um, I've learned astrology in the last couple of years. So just combining all of this stuff together, I'm just afraid will blow my mind in the best way possible because it's amazing what those things can tell you. You know, it's, um, it gives you a lot of answers to things that, um, you question, why am I the way I am and why do these things happen to me or whatever? Well, it's kind of predestined in a way there's, there's a reason for it based on where you were born and what time you were born and all of those things. So, so how long did it take you to kind of wrap your brain around all of that information? Did you have to learn each modality basically along with it or how no. did you approach that? Okay. No. And that's why I love this system because I always wanted to learn astrology but something about it was always overwhelming to me, which is so funny because human design is like deep, but there's layers to it. So you first learn this layer. Okay. Yeah. And then you go one layer deeper and one layer. And I, I am in no way and an, I wouldn't call myself an expert in the entire system. I am an expert in application, which is, you know, a, a very useful skill, but, um, but yeah, no, I, I'm again, a manifesting generator. So I, I can, get information super fast. And I, it makes sense to me um, very quickly. And I also, I was working with, I've, I've considered taking more structured programs because typically that's how I learn. But I started working with a coach um, a year ago and she uses human design. So the way that she taught us was very much embodiment and experiential. So it wasn't like I'm reading this on a page. It's we're living it. Yeah. We're, we're breathing it. And I do, I do, <clears throat> I have certain blogs. I love to read I have the books I have. So I do have that as a supplement because I do like the structured information, but I learned, I embodied it while I learned it. And then I have everyone in my family is a different type almost. So I, I parent with human design and, and I was so into it. Now I'm reading everyone's, let me see your kid's chart. Let me see your husband's chart. Let me see this. And I would just say little things. And then that helps too. Cause they would say, Oh, that resonates. That doesn't resonate or whatever, and we could um, kind of experience that together. So it's a mix of a whole bunch of things. Um, but so is that where you start when a new client comes to you? Do you kind of determine their human design first before kind of jumping into everything else? Always. 
every yeah. single time. Yeah. The only, the only time I don't is if I'm having a one-on-one set, like a one-time session and I do something called um, energetic activation. And with that, because we're working with the, with more of the 5D energy, they're not, they're not, they don't have the condition, the 5D doesn't have the conditioning that our 3D body has. So in that, because we're working primarily with energetics, I don't. Now, I will say, I always give people practical advice after that practical strategy. And it will, I will usually look up their chart, not super in depth, but just like, okay, this is this, this is what's going to work best. What are the types of human design? How many are there? There's five, just five, just five. So there's generators. Well, some people say four, but because there's one that's like a hybrid type. So there's generators, manifestors, manifesting generators, which is a hybrid of those two projectors and reflectors. And each of them has a different role. And when you were saying something like it has to do with all of the alignment of the planets and stuff. And the thing I like about that is it gives us, people are always asking for their purpose. What's my purpose? It Mm -hmm. tells you what your purpose is. Mm -hmm. This is your role in society. This is what you were brought here to do. Mm -hmm. Now, the details of that are, are deeper in the chart, but this is your job. And if you start doing it, it's going to serve all of humanity, which is. Oh, and, yes. and the thing is, is if you're being honest with yourself, you're not shocked by it when you find out, you not know, it's all. like, yes, that, that feels hundred percent. Right. I mean, mine was, I was supposed to be um, teaching and speaking and sharing and, and doing those things. And I've always been drawn to that. I've done uh, so many co- coaching courses over the last year where I kind of take the lead. I kind of jump right in and become that coach and that teacher and everything. And it feels natural and it feels right. And so when I really dug into my birth chart and saw that that's what I was meant to do, I'm like, well, of course. And if I would have known that sooner in my life, maybe I wouldn't have felt so lost for so long, but we're all meant to go on this journey. And, you know, eventually we end up where we're supposed to end up, but it's like a roadmap. I mean, the whole thing is like a roadmap for your yeah. life. If you just open it up to reading it, interpreting it, and there's free will, you still make your own decisions and all of those things. But if you're lost right now, if you're questioning, what am I supposed to be doing in my life? This is a great place to start because it's, it's written. It's written there right there for you if you just will be open up to it. So when somebody comes to you and says that, something's missing. I don't know what my purpose is. I'm lost. I don't know what to do. Where do you tell them to start? What's, what's the first thing you do? Um, you know, to be entirely honest, a lot of my clients, <clears throat> I guess they do do that. Okay. Just not in those words. Um, <laughs> they do. They're, they're, they're needing something, right? Cause good enough is mm-hmm. not good enough, you know? Right. So um, when they, we just, the first thing I teach them is how to connect to themselves how to sink into their body, what their intuition feels like. And, and, you know, we do talk about, we do talk about human design and I really encourage people to figure out first thing is how do you want to feel in life? Most people don't know how they feel now, let alone how they want to feel. And that shocked me. The first time I, I was working with clients and I said, well, how do you feel? They'd say good or fine. I'm like, well, neither of those are feelings. So let's try again. And then we would go through, like, I would give them like a week, like, look at the emotions chart, look at this, look at the wheel, look at whatever, and like really hone into how are you feeling overall in life? 
And then how do you want to feel in life? And then we begin making shifts and choices to get us from here to here. And there's, there's many gaps in between. There's many reasons why those gaps are there. But, um, but ultimately, like, that's where we start. And, and we, of course, then we're, we're in this journey. Now we move into human design. What's going to be your flow? What's going to be your, your, not necessarily process. There's a thousand ways to do it. And, you know, in that journey, we do inner child work and energetic work and all of that, that business. Um, but, but yeah, we start with, we start with feelings because ultimately our feeling determines our vibration and determines what we're going to get in life. Well, don't you think in some ways we don't know what we're feeling because we've developed this numbness to our lives. We live a monotonous day-to-day life and we're just trying to move from one moment to the next and we're not honoring our feelings. We're not meditating. We're not sitting in our emotions or anything like that. So I'm sure that's pretty eye-opening for a lot of people to sit down and realize you actually don't know how you feel. You're not feeling your feelings. You're just existing. And I'm sure, yeah, that's a, a eye-opening experience. I know it was for me when I went through it. Um, and I went through it through doing shadow work and, you know, all of that stuff. So, um, and now I can't live without meditation and stuff like that. I, I thirst for those moments where I can sit down and just be in my own mind and have all of those answers and, and things come to me. So, um, and if you think, if you think about like our society too, the hustle, the push, the go, the things that stop us from, from knowing ourselves are what's honored. Mm-hmm. We're valued for our production, not for our connection. And so we're, we're definitely conditioned to, to keep going. We, people, how many people do you know never stop? Mm-hmm. They never stop. From the time they get up to the time they go to bed, and a lot of times while they're sleeping, they're thinking of what they have to do next. And they've created this life that requires drama. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, I'm not judging anyone for that because that's definitely how, our, how we're conditioned. But then when you challenge someone, even like meditation is so many things, but to go for a walk Mm -hmm. or one of my biggest challenges I give my clients is listen to your body and do what it says. Mm -hmm. And then they feel guilty because they're napping. (laughs) But that's what your body needs. That's what it's telling you. Or eating the foods that there's not on their diet. Mm -hmm. Well, your body's telling you exactly what it Mm -hmm. needs. So yeah, I think that our society, as much as I love it, puts a lot of um, kind of unhealthy expectations on us. But I think that's what we're all going through right now. Since this whole pandemic began towards the beginning of the year, it's forced a lot of us to slow down and reevaluate our lives because who you just described was me a hundred percent. I was very much on the go constantly, couldn't stop and take a minute, um, had to conquer and succeed, you know, the next task and all of those things and mm-hmm. realized that I wasn't happy. I wasn't feeling fulfilled in my life. I wasn't doing my life's purpose or anything. And so I view everything that's happened from my own personal viewpoint as a blessing. It's been a gift because I've had the time I needed to slow down, realize that's not what life is all about. The hustle and bustle, the, you know, working, you know, 50, 60 hours a week, whatever is not, it's not me. It's not what I was put on this planet to do. So I'm, I'm 
thrilled that I'm going through this time and I'm learning because I've had this opportunity now to learn from people like you and, and Darcy, who we both adore and, and just tons of people who have come into my life in the last six or seven months that have been my motivators, my teachers, my mentors to, you know, live a better life. And, you know, like I just said, we're in such an interesting time on the planet where these major shifts are happening. What advice can you give someone who's feeling overwhelmed in this moment? Yeah. I, first off, I want to say that um, I agree. The minute this happens, I got so excited that I was put here with the skills that I have and the transformation I've been through. Cause I, three years ago, four years ago, I was there. It's taken me this long to get to a spot where when that happened, I was like, oh, yes. And so I'm seeing my clients going through that now. And, and in the beginning, everyone kept waiting for it to be over. And I'm like, please no, the shifts haven't happened. Please no, please not now. And I'm, I have the most empathy and love for people who are suffering deeply through this time. But the, the earth is ascending. The energy on the earth is, is, is ascending. And when you have the collective having to slow down and feel, I keep telling people like we're in the dark, we're in our society's dark night of the soul and yes. it's never pretty. It is never pretty. <laughs> dark nights of the soul are the messiest thing in the world, but they're necessary. Mm -hmm. And so first off that, that, oh yes, I, I'm so excited. My business has boomed since this started because people started slowing down. Mm -hmm. um, and then, so what advice can you give people? Mm -hmm. um, learn to get comfortable with discomfort. That's, um, and sometimes that means sitting really, really uncomfortably and allowing your body to experience that um, and not bypassing that with all the addictions or all the, uh, the, one of the things I dislike the most are coping skills because so often they're distracting us from actually feeling. Now, if your coping skills are helping you process your feelings, you know, that's a whole nother situation. Um, the health, some of the healthy and unhealthy coping skills are distracting us from processing. And we all have all of this. We have a lifetime and generations of processing that needs to happen in our body. So the sooner you can learn that your emotions aren't going to kill you, like the emotion doesn't hurt us. It's the things we do to avoid the emotions that hurt us. So the minute you can realize that I am really uncomfortable but I can get through this moment. Then a lot of things become more possible and we become more brave because we realize like, I didn't die then. I'm probably not gonna die now. And so I can do this thing now. And so it allows for a greater degree of flexibility, like uncertainty, holy crap. Like you think your day is gonna go one way. And then before you know it, like, you know, we were supposed to have this podcast yesterday and my day, was insane. It, nothing went the way it was planned. But I realized at the end of the day, I was okay. I felt I, I wasn't anxious. I was anxious at no part in the day. There were some times I was worried and scared throughout the day, but I wasn't, I was okay because I just got comfortable with being really, really uncomfortable and I knew it would pass. Mm -hmm. So that's my number one, my number one <laughs> advice to people. And a lot of that is learning to trust, trusting that what you're going through in this moment, you're meant to go through it. There's something better on the other side of it. Um, I've had to spend the last couple of years really wrapping my brain around that concept. And 
living in gratitude every single day for what I do have and working on manifesting and, and putting it out to the universe on what I want and what I expect for my life and, and all of those things. And it's, it can be difficult to do when you're living in those uncomfortable moments where you just feel like the world is crashing down around you. It's hard to find that positive spark, but once you do, once you are able to let that go in a way, honor it, feel it, know it's there, but know that it's not going to be there forever. It's just a moment in time. And it, you know, this whole, this too shall pass is true. It really is true. Um, you know, have you had any clients that, that can't grasp that, that you really have to work with or through working with you, do they all pretty much come around to understanding that concept? I, I really feel like um, those of us who, who do any type of work with people, you, you, like you said, you just attract the right people, the people who are ready. And so I do have some clients who's, who it takes longer for and some clients who are, I wouldn't even say resistant. They're just, they're scared. They're scared about what's going to happen on the other side. And, and so honestly, most of the people I work with and a lot of people I just talk to, they just, they're at, a, they're at a spot where they're just ready for something different. And so a lot of them are willing to try a lot of, just try. And we do baby step it. It's not like I say all of a sudden, okay, you're getting divorced. You need to be okay. It's like, no, no, that's, that's not how we do it. We start with, you know, very teensy weensy things. And, and then we, um, you know, and then they're kind of forced eventually because at some point something clicks. And then you're in the middle, like one day you're like, <gasps> and then before you know it, you're in your awakening and then mm -hmm. you're forced. There's not, once you surrender to the, like, I, I remember several times off every so often, I'm like, okay, I surrender. I'm ready for the next round. And, and that's kind of where they get to. They're just like, I, I'm ready for something different. And I don't know what that looks like, but I'm willing to go through the steps to get there. So I really don't have anyone who's resistant to it because I just don't attract those people. And I'm also really no nonsense. Like if you're not willing to do the work, don't come to me because I, you're, I have a very, very um, beautiful community. And I don't think that anyone who's totally resistant would, would want to be there. Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit about how you started you're you call it the woo and the do and we kind of skimmed over that earlier like we didn't really explain what woo means i think for a lot of us it's pretty self-explanatory but for you why did you decide to call it the woo and the do um well a lot of people in the woo community and you know the, the psychics the astrologers the the reiki masters all of these people um sometimes a lot of the time i had trouble connecting because so, some of them are so elevated and they're in a spot where they're living their life so in connection to divine. <clears throat> a lot of times I felt like they were disconnected from humanity. In my job, my purpose, my, the whole reason I'm on this earth is to help people awaken. Like that is in my chart. Like my job is I cannot do that if I'm disconnected from humanity. It's impossible. So uh, my, my foundation is in psychology, neurology, um, sociology, like that's, I went to school for that. That's it. And so having that basis always allows me to bring it back because people always want something to do. 
especially in the beginning. Med your job to meditate, if I give someone the job, they, no, I need to be able to put pen to paper and make something happen. And so combining that, that woo, the, the energetic work and the connection to source and the intuition with something to actually do until they're, in the, until they're comfortable just being, until they step into that feminine energy, um, it, it's really necessary, I think. And, and so we combine the two. No, we, we do both. And that way it allows us to keep that connection to our humanity. Because when it comes down to it, we have, we function in a 3D world. And as much as I would love to live in the ether, it's, I, I would probably be homeless because I'd forget to pay my bills and I would forget to eat. And I have kids that I have to help navigate through the world. Um, so, so that's why I do that. It creates a really nice balance for me. There are times I've gotten like there, I feel like, and I mean, I had to do serious grounding because I wasn't effective. I wasn't effective in my role. You actually mentioned earlier that you've used this now to communicate differently with your family. How has that affected you working with your children on things when there's issues or problems or they're having a meltdown or whatever, what do you know about each of them that helps you communicate better? Um, well, my kids also know their types and they look at their charts. So it's not just me knowing, <clears throat> it's them knowing. So one of my daughters loves it. She'll come and sit down, she'll compare her sister's charts to her brother's charts. She's the middle child. So oftentimes she feels misplaced. The older and the younger are very similar. And she's the one who's just kind of the, the oddball, you know, like they're both very social. They're both very they, people and, and all this stuff. And she's like the one who, who could care less about people. And she's, you know, and they, and we've always said since they were young, we all have different skills and we're all here for different purposes. So if you're good at building and you're good at reading and you're really good at connecting to people together you guys are like the unstoppable machine because you all have the pieces to make this so we've always raised them with the fact that um you read faster than her so you read to her who cares if you're the younger or the older i don't care you know or, or things like that so you've always raised them that way but then when you can look at the paper and say you know like my youngest son he's a projector projectors need a lot of naps He's six. He still takes naps. He's to the point now that he lays himself down because I'm just like, and he convinced my husband at some point recently that he doesn't need naps. My husband's like, he's old enough. And I was like, has nothing to do with age, nothing. And so I, I'm like, okay, you two decided this. That's okay. We'll see how this goes. And now we're back to taking naps because he needs it. Now my daughters don't need it because their type is a type that has to wear down completely. Otherwise they won't sleep at night. So it informs me that way. And also, you know, like if some of them have open throat centers, which is one of our, you know, chakras and also, sure. and so people who have the open throat center, their voices are not often heard as strongly. And they also feel pressure to talk all the time. So with those people in my family who have the open throat center, I always make sure when they're talking to say, I hear you. Yep. I hear you. And just give them that reassurance so they don't feel the need to keep repeating themselves and keep going. And then they feel validated. And it's like, you can almost feel their energy calm down. Like, oh, I'm heard. Okay, cool. You know, now I so can't wait to dive into this because <laughs> just that example alone, my husband is a chronic napper. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> he, he takes no less than like a three hour nap every weekend. It's not more than a nap. It's a nice little siesta rest. Yeah. But he does. He craves it. He needs it. Whereas I can't nap during the day, unless I am completely and totally 100% exhausted and my body will not let me keep my eyes open, I can't do it. So that's just an interesting way to explain it because, you know, it doesn't have to do with laziness or anything like that. It's, it's who we are and, Mm -hmm. and to understand that and then to understand that about other people that you're dealing with. Do you find yourself wanting to do human design on everyone you come in contact with just so you know how to work with them? Or have you honed your skills so much in the last year that you just know by talking to somebody right away who they are? I know every single one of my friends, human design charts. And if anyone sits down to me and starts talking to me about this, I do pull their chart up. I have so many random ass people in my stuff, you know, Um, (laughs) I do. And I also like to pull up like my favorite celebrities, like, ooh, wonder what their chart looks. It's it's an addiction, it really is. But at this point, like, I'm like, I'm imagining you're probably a manifesting generator. Your husband's either a, a manifester or or a projector. We could talk for a few minutes, but at the same time, we have to keep mind conditioning, right? right, right. So, and that's what it's all about. And one more thing I wanted to say about like um, about connecting to people it allows you to have grace. Like you said, it's not lazy. It's he needs it. And it's not, he's avoiding his body. And my husband and I are, he's a generator and I'm a manifesting generator. I I call MGs fairies and the generators, the gnomes. The fairies flip from flower to flower to flower and they're keeping everything happy and they leave and they do and they da 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 da. Generators are the gnomes. They're tending to the earth. They're typically more slow and consistent. So like, whereas in a year I would have three different jobs my husband's had the same job. He's been, well, not any longer, but he, when we met, he had the same job he was miserable in for 12 years because that was, he's a generator. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, yeah. And so, you know, our energy together, he, he helps ground me and I help him be, follow how he, you know, follow his passions a bit more. Um, but, but yeah, it allows so much grace. And that's one thing about parenting and family. I'm not frustrated with them for the things that they do that aren't like me. And like when I'm giving instructions or giving chores or whatever, I'm not frustrated if I give them the wrong chore because that's my bad and I can adjust that. And I know like my oldest daughter gets really quick chores and we're going to have to go back and check them every single time because she moves so fast. And that's part of being a manifesting generator. And so I don't get mad at her when I look at the toilet and she's missed three parts. Or I'll ask her, what could be done differently? What did we miss? And she's 12 and I'm thinking she should know how to do this by now, typically. And then she'd be getting in trouble. But now I'm like, oh, that's just your type. So go back. So I just teach her, go back, check it out when you're done. Just go back and check it out because that's just who she is. <laughs> you well, you just bring up such an interesting point with that is that we tend just by human nature to expect everyone to be like us. And we're shocked when they're not. And the minute you can accept that you know who you are and you understand why you are the way you are. You can look at somebody else and have that grace and understand that they are the way they are. And that's okay. We're all meant to be different. We're not supposed to be alike. And it gives you that power to know how to interact and work with somebody. And, you know, you're both better for it. And I think that, gosh, that can help in the workplace, that can help in families, gosh, especially right now with everything going on. If you know the different human designs of all your family members, Thanksgiving will be so much easier. (laughs) 
Yeah. Yeah. It, especially if you like know yours. So, you know, like your tolerance levels, like projectors, if your husband, if your husband is a projector, one thing that, that, that they need is they crave people, but then when they're done, they're done. And it's a, I need it. And so that gives us the grace at Thanksgiving when your husband says, honey, I'm done to not be frustrated, but to say, okay, sweetie, can I have, or, or to let him know, Hey, when you're feeling done, can you give me 15 minutes to wrap up? Cause I want to honor that in you or drive separately, mm-hmm. you know, have two different cars. And when he's done, he goes. And if someone says something, you can say, he just needs his time to himself. He needs to discharge. He's been, he's fine. He's nothing's wrong. He's just, he's mm-hmm. done, you know? So it gives us that partnership too, where we're like, you don't have to get it. I don't care. Like, it doesn't matter if everyone else gets it. I understand you. And that's a closer bond now. Now we're bonded and I'm respecting you in your type. I'm, and, and I'm with my husband, since we've started doing this, um, our relationship and my ability to stand in my truth. Cause I, I, what I grew up in a traumatic household, you know, where the best roles weren't always shown. And so <clears throat> me, my ability to say, this is how I am. And there's nothing wrong with it. And it's not your right to tell me how to be. It's not, I'm not being, I'm not being awful to him. I'm just saying, I'm different than you and that's okay. And you can accept it or not, but I am not going to change this about myself to fit into your box. And we all do that in relationships, you know, like we're uncomfortable. So we try and get the other person to shift and me standing in that truth. My husband really honors strong women. Like he loves that strength. And so it gives me that. And then it makes him not only honor my truth, but it makes him more drawn to me. Mm-hmm. You know, like it makes him like, Ooh, there's that power that I fall in love with. There's that strength. And that's, hasn't always been easy for me, but, um, but now that we know that and it's just made our relationship so much better, so much better. And like, even my mom, she lives with us. She's a manifester. She drives me bonkers with some of her stuff. And so when I get mad, she's just like, she's mad at me because I'm a manifester. And then my husband will just crack up and he's like, probably so today probably so today marge you're probably right you know he's but living with a lot like of energy <laughs> oh man i'm telling you we got we got um we have four of the five types in our house so wow yeah you get to experience mm-hmm. everything firsthand every day <laughs> it's really cool to learn though too because you asked yeah. how you learn i look every time something would happen i'd look at my kids charts okay how do i handle this and i'd look up all the types and you know so i just wanted I want to set them up to not have to question their differences and to see their differences as absolute strengths. And I think every parent is that way. And we get scared and we tell kids to do things that are really out of alignment. And then they're spending their adult lives trying to figure out where it went wrong. Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, parents, we don't want to do that ever, but this gives me a leg up. Like I have, I'm running a parent, it's called Parenting for the New Paradigm. It's an intensive group that I'm in right now. And so I'm leading parents to the process of honoring their children right where they're at. Um, so I love a- that. And I love that there are people out there actively teaching that now because it's so important and it's going to change the trajectory of that child's life. And they're going to grow up so much happier and so much more fulfilled. Um, when Darcy was on, her and I talked about that quite a bit just from her money design that mm-hmm. she does. I realized that 
when I was in high school and trying to decide what I wanted to do with my life, I wasn't following my own passion and my own goals. I was doing what my grandma and dad wanted me to do because it was going to be a stable career and um, it was something they were familiar with and something they did and they just wanted the best for me. It wasn't malicious. They weren't doing anything um, negative to me. It was just, that's what they knew. I, you know, I couldn't verbalize to them exactly what I wanted to do because I knew they would think I was crazy anyway. I wanted to be a marine biologist living in Missouri. I mean, it just didn't make sense. So, you know, they were like, hey, why don't you be an accountant? Because you're good with numbers. And, you know, once I got into college, I couldn't imagine sitting behind a desk, punching numbers from nine to five. And for anybody who's an accountant who can do it, God bless you. Because for me, it's just too them. monotonous. And I loved it because there was an answer to everything. And I loved that. But I realized that uh, the answer to everything I wanted wasn't something else. It wasn't that. So it's taken me 44 years of living to finally get here and understand all that. But you know, hey, better late than never, right? <laughs> so oh, 44 is ahead of the curve. I promise. <laughs> I find that like most of my clients are between like third, early to mid thirties. Cause that's kind of where we start settling into ourselves, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. start being like all this shifting is kind of done for the most part. I'm like, okay, so now I'm ready to be happy up to even, I have clients who are in their sixties. And there's, they, they finally got to a point where they're like, whoa, whoa. And I think that generation is kind of the first generation of women who had a lot of choices. Like their mothers were the ones who were kind of the, in that shift. And then we created this generation of women who really have the world, well, for the most part, the world of opportunities, but then they're also expected to be mom and wife mm -hmm. and all of those things. And now our generation, I think we're kind of moving even further away from that. Like we have equitable households mm -hmm. where you know where the wife isn't doing all the stuff and and so I think that that generation took a little bit longer because well, there's so many yeah there's so many archetypes and everything and that's something I've really had to embrace and understand and learn and everything is that we've labeled ourselves for years on this is who you are this is who you are this is who you are no matter whether it's personally professionally whatever and yeah it takes a lot of you know, unconditioning basically to, to, to come out of that stuff. But wow, your eyes open up when it happens. <laughs> and, and a lot of times those archetypes are put on us from external experiences. It has exactly. nothing to do with who you truly are. Mm -hmm. It's what people all the time, I say, tell me about yourself. And the first thing I hear is job, how many yep. kids, whether they're married. And when people ask me about myself, and I do like for this, you know, of course I told, cause you, you asked me, tell me about your business. If you ask me to tell me about my business, I'll tell you about my business. But if you ask about me, mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you, these are my passions. These are how, this is, these are, and that's because yes, I'm a mother, but that doesn't define me. Yes, I'm a wife, but so, you know, like that, those are external circuits. That's not who I am. Yeah. You know, that's, those are things that I do. <laughs> that's what I want. That's what I, why I want everybody to walk away from, especially from this episode too, is that, stop pigeonholing yourself, stop putting yourself in a corner and saying that these things, I love that that's the way you would answer if I asked you about you. You're going to tell me about your passions and your interests and all of those things. You're not going to go down your resume, which is what 
everybody tends to do when they, you know, you do a job interview, tell me about yourself. Well, I started here and I was here for, you know, that has nothing to do with anything. They want to know who you are at the core. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of us don't know who we are at the core and that's what you're helping everybody get to. And I love that. Um, One thing I do want to ask you about, because you seem like somebody who has led a pretty positive life overall, since you did kind of grow up in a very open household and everything, um, how do you deal with criticism? Like when you started your business, did you have any pushback from anybody? Like, why are you doing this? Why do you think you know anything to do this? Or just criticism in general? How do you deal with it? Um, well, first off, <laughs> my upbringing was not positive. Oh, <laughs> just okay. You know, believe whatever you wanted. Um, I had a very traumatic upbringing oh. and I was, I had to be an adult very, very young and, and figure it out. But um, but that makes no excuse, right? Like I generally tried to, I was generally a half, a glass half full person, just my nature. Um, but my criticism through the years, I've cultivated a community that they just, they know who I am. And it was, they kind of knew before I knew, they knew before I was willing to accept it. Cause I thought that who I was, was too out there, wasn't professional enough, like at my core. So I put on this facade of, I am very professional. I am very have my shit together and, and all of this stuff. Um, but so the people, I, the people around me, by the time I decided to do this, expected it. My biggest criticism was internal. I was harder on myself than anybody else. So I was really, um, you know, I have had a few things like when I started doing energy work, people would ask me questions I didn't know the answers to. And there were some people who would even get critical, like, well, you're doing this and you don't know this. And, and honestly, I would freeze, like, and then I would start the internal dialogue, what's wrong with you? Why don't you know everything? And, and my criticism, honestly, the biggest one is from myself. And I'm, I'm very, very lucky. I don't know how, because I thought about this. I'm like, how in the world did I cultivate a community around me that is so supportive? And they're always so, and I do, I have had people, I do have family members who don't get it, but I just don't share with them because they're not on my team. You know, I share with the people who are excited for me and root me on and, and love that um, I'm doing something different. I just don't share with those people because they're, they're not on my team. And that's okay. That's where they are. They're just, and I, cause I don't, I give myself enough crap. I don't need theirs. <laughs> that's kind of where I'm at with that. Fair enough. <laughs> you know. What inspires you? The first thing I thought was brave women brave people inspire me Um, when I get, and it's not just with work, but in general, like if I see someone in society standing up for something, and we've had plenty of examples of this recently, standing up and putting aside all of their crap to show up out loud, all the way out loud. And all that inspires me when people are showing up in their passion. Um, Nature obviously inspires me. My kids inspire me, just watching them and their process and, and their growth. I think those are probably the biggest ones. Yeah, I just love, I love brave people. I love it. It gives, like, it gives me tingles to think about it. Does that fuel your own bravery? Do you find yourself being able to step out more and be who you are from experiencing those people? Absolutely. 
Absolutely. I actually, um, that's one of the things I like most about like my Facebook community is it's the women in there. Again, I don't know. I have a way of like attracting the right people in the right times. Um, but the women in there will share stuff and it's just like, it makes my heart just like my, I feel honestly, I feel like my heart and my solar plexus, like it gets so expansive because you know, and I think, I think it's, and people in general, but I think women have a special nurturing quality about us. Mm -hmm. And there are men that do too. I don't want to leave them out, but we have this thing. And when we're around like-minded, brave, powerful women who are unapologetic, it triggers something in us. Mm -hmm. Like I'm starting, um, we're starting in-person events through my community. Our first one is, is coming up, but we're doing a monthly. And part of the reason is women in my community are craving that connection to women who are, they're not about the drama. They're not about the venting and the gross junk. They're simply about being in their truth and serving and being there for each other. And in, when you have a community of, of women who are all about serving one another, no one is left empty. Mm-hmm. And so definitely that my, oh, yes, it is. It is incredibly inspiring. And I also love when like a lot of times I'll start something and then they'll take it over. And it used to be an ego trip for me. I was like, I have to be in charge, you know, but now like when I see women like Sarah, we should do this with your, with, with our group, with our group our group, our group, you know, or they're sharing things that are happening or they're, I have one person right now who every single day, she does a card pull, like an inspiration card pull. And she posts it every single day. And the members look forward to it every single, it's something so simple, mm-hmm. but every, and it's not me doing it. So she inspires me because she was a, she's a client of mine. And I've seen her go through this massive transformation to where she's now able to wholeheartedly give back. Whereas before she wasn't there, what she wasn't able to do that. She wasn't in that space. And so to see her just like, ah, it's just, it is, it is inspiring. It is amazing. And I do always leave like, okay, if she's standing in her truth, I could, cause sometimes I forget to be brave and I forget that I'm capable and I forget that, you know, it's all worked out. You know, the trust thing. I forget those things. I get stuck in the scared and the fear. So when I see these other women doing it, I'm like, okay, look, if she can get up in front of the entire world and have those words come out of her mouth in this climate, uh, what am I doing? Why am I holding mm-hmm. back? And I tell people like when you're holding back, cause women always feel, Oh, I don't want to be outspoken. Oh, I don't want to be selfish. And I said, you are holding back. Your truth is the most selfish act you can possibly do. And they're just like, what? I'm like, when you don't tell your partner what you need, you're damaging your relationship. And that's selfish. It's selfish not to be yourself. And so I, I get reminded by that of that by inspiring people because if they're that brave, like there's some people out there saying some things right now that are just like they're they resonate. But I'm like, you have some nuts. Like you are unapologetic, and it just it really it's amazing. Well, I can tell that because throughout this entire conversation you lit up in a way that you hadn't lit up the entire time when you started talking about other people and their successes and everything. So it's obvious that that's what your passion is, that you just want to bring that out in everybody that works with you. Um, so 
I, I love that. I can't wait to learn more from you. I think you are absolutely fascinating. We've reached the point in the podcast where I'm going to ask you to find your perspective. So this is a little exercise I do because we allow outside events to affect us, whether we're stuck in traffic or have a bad experience at the grocery store or whatever, we tend to act negatively rather than positively. So I'm going to give you a hypothetical, may or may not be true for you, but you'll be able to relate to it. And your task is just to find the positive in it. So, so many families are struggling financially right now. With Christmas just around the corner, you're worried about how you're going to buy gifts for your children. Find your perspective. Mm. It's a beautiful time. And, we, and we've been prepped for this. We've been prepping for this all year. But it's a beautiful time, I think, to create, we were talking about this before, we're hustle, 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 especially the holidays. Ooh, we forget to enjoy the small things. So not having the money does not mean that there's not connection. When we think back to our childhood, <clears throat> we don't remember the gifts. I mean, there might be that one or two amazing gift that you remember, but we remember baking cookies. We remember going to see the lights. We remember, <clears throat> you know, cuddling on the couch and eating popcorn and watching Christmas movies. And so I think this is a beautiful time. And, you know, our kids do want things. And I am all for telling children, you know what, right? And I don't say I'm broke. I say right now our money, I've decided to put our money other places. So you may not get 12 gifts. So what do you really want? What is in the one thing that really, really, <clears throat> you know, would, and then you can say like one Christmas gift I give our, our family is we have an experience box. There's something called Pogo Pass for anyone in the KC Metro. I want to tell you, it is the best buy you could ever do. And we have a Christmas box. And every month there's an activity. The Pogo Pass is cheap too, by the way. This isn't an expensive thing. And so every month we have a family activity together. And it's a surprise. They don't know what it is. I wrap each one in an envelope made of wrapping paper. And then we get Christmas all year long. And they love that box because we get a family date where everything else stops for once, for one whole day. So I would say the positive in what's going on right now is we're forced to really assess what is our family value? What is truly important? Is it, is it the fact that our kids get the new PS5? Or is it maybe they have a PS4? Let's get a used game that they've always wanted and that we can play together. Dan, or Just Dance is incredible. Our family puts it on and it's, it's hilarious. It's hilarious. And they love it. And they're not missing the PS5 all of a sudden because they're bonding with you. So, and I know for parents, it's really hard. When I met my husband, I remember our first Christmas together, because he's a huge gift giver. Growing up, he did not get gifts because they were financially unable to do that. <clears throat> he had the Christmas tree and he had one of those apartments with the long, you know, you walk in, you have the long room with the dining room. There were presents halfway across the room. No lie. We had two kids at the time. Two. And I was just like, this is insane. And so over the years, our kids get a big gift and like two smaller gifts. And they'll get like their matching pajamas and maybe an outfit or something like that. But there's other family members. Like by the time we get done with grandma and auntie and da-da-da-da-da, there's just too much. It's overwhelming anyway. You don't appreciate what you get if you get 12 gifts at a time. 
another thing that we've done in the past is we get, I'll go get used books and we'll wrap them and we'll open a book and read it together. So you can do these things that are really creating memories. And chances are, if you do those things, your kids might be upset at first because they're used to getting tons of gifts. This could very well be the best Christmas your family ever has. And they could say, remember that one Christmas? Or we started the tradition that one year we started that thing and now we get to do it every day, every year. And they get to look forward to that. I'm so happy you shared all of that because I could not feel the same way any more than that is for me, I was your husband. I was the person who bought all the gifts for all the people. And it wasn't just everybody got one gift. It was multiple gifts because I am someone who loves giving. I like thinking about the person and what they would really like and really enjoy. And it doesn't mean a ton of expensive gifts, but I just love the act of giving. And this year that changes for me because I've been out of work, because I don't have tons of income lying around to do those things. I'm getting creative and I'm thinking about experiences and those things and how that actually means so much more. And you can translate that. It doesn't mean you have to do that just for kids. It could be for your relationship. It could be a box of date nights or whatever that are super simple and super easy and doesn't mean that you have to go anywhere and spend any money. It could be, you know, a dinner at home, you know, a fancy dinner at home where you get dressed up or whatever. It could be a bonfire in the backyard, whatever. Um, I just love that so much. And I think that's going to change things for me for the rest of my life. And it's not that I'm not going to want to give gifts. It's going to be more meaningful gifts. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be running out, you know, to the store or, you know, buying out Amazon. (laughs) It's going to very much be thinking about what they really need at a soul level and what we could enjoy together or they could enjoy or whatever. So I think that was probably one of the most beautiful answers you could possibly give. So thank you very much for that. <laughs> You're welcome. I think that's going to give welcome. a lot of parents pause, you know, especially if they do have more than one child, man, birthdays, Christmases, all of that can get really expensive fast. But I love the idea of doing an experience box and doing something, you know, different every month or every weekend, whatever you're able to do. That's, that's amazing. Um, final question for you. And I have a feeling this is going to be a good one. What what (laughs) mantra, no pressure, no pressure. What Mm -hmm. mantra do you say to yourself that keeps you going? I am enough. Simple. I am enough. And how long did it take you? How long did it take you to learn that, that you are enough? my whole life (laughs) and it's still still a continual process. And that's why it's a mantra that I have, you know, um, we all question ourselves. We all have the ego popping in telling us that we need to work harder or do more or be more. And when we realize that in, I was given this moment in this body with this thing and these skills, it wasn't an accident. I was put here exactly as I am right now, even in like, you know, this moment with you, I could have gotten very nervous and had to write out my whole thing and plan the whole thing. I mean, I've listened to your podcast. I know your format. I could, and I started doing that. And I was like, no, that's not how I show up. I, and so just me simply existing. That's enough. It's fine. It works. It feels good. (laughs) 
feels good. I hope everyone, yeah, I hope everybody works that into their own daily mantra every day. Just to write it on a post-it note, put it up your mirror in, on your mirror in the bathroom and, and say it to yourself every single day um, because it is true. You know, each of us are enough. Um, Sarah, I can't thank you enough for joining me today and sharing your knowledge with my listeners. Um, if you'd like to know more about Sarah's programs, you can visit her on Facebook at Sarah Robinson Coaching, uh, no H, just S-A-R-A, and at <laughs> www.thewooandthedo.com. So any closing thoughts for us, Sarah? I just want to thank you, Heather. This has been absolutely enjoyable, um, very easy, free-flowing, and, and I appreciate what you're doing for our community. So, so yeah, that's really all. Oh, um, if anyone is interested in our monthly in-person meetups, they can find information on the Facebook group about that. And it is, they are socially distanced. Um, some are outside, and if they're not outside, we do respect the capacity limits of um, whatever wherever we're at. So if anyone wants to get together with some beautiful people, um, and if you're nervous, message me and let's talk in advance. So you know somebody, so you're not nervous anymore. Definitely. And then maybe I'll go and you'll know somebody else. So you You are always welcome. Well, thanks everybody for listening and we will see you again next week. Remember your thoughts become your reality. You have all you need to begin to make your dreams come true. Dream it, believe it, manifest it. Have a great week and I'll talk to you again soon.